you know, because I feel like if, if I if I spend too long on a song, I just get in the creative block. I feel like I like I almost like overwork myself. So I like to like I'll make a song, and if I'm well, like I start the beat, I'll be going through like adding sounds, like start getting the idea going, and then all of a sudden, you know, then I'm like I kind of just like know I have this instinct where I'm just like, all right, I gotta sit here and just like I'm just gonna pump this out. I like to just sit and grind it out in like three or four. I try in fact three or four hours usually, and then bounce it listen to it a bunch for like a day or two and then just touch it up here and there. And then, then I kind of just move on. Like I'll kind of get bored of it. Not like that. that I hate it. Just kind of, you know, what? all right, I'm gonna work on something else. And then I just do another song. Like I like to try to like be productive like that. I try to like, all right, I want to write at least one song, like a, like maybe, you know, once every other day and, and just trying to, you know, but at the same time, it's not a bad, bad thing if you like can't write a su- super fast. Cause you know, it's, I guess quality over quantity, but, um, to try, I, I just move super fast. I think that comes to that is like, I'm like, you know, I'm a huge, I, I, sometimes I think it comes from video, from video games, honestly, because like I'm just a huge gamer and like whatever I'm playing a game or something, I like to just kind of grind it out like fast. And I feel like it just kind of translates to music. It's like the same, it's like a game to me. It's like, I want to beat this level, <laughs> hmm. you know, and just like get on to the next one. Welcome to the Mr. Bill Podcast. I'm Anand Harsh, Editor-in-Chief of the Unst.com, Bill's manager. And if you're going to be at the Mish, come say hi. If you have anything to autograph, I can forge Bill's signature extremely well. Uh, Don't look Kill Smith in the eyes, though. He'll make you pet his mullet. What can I say about today's guest? Matthew Lucas, a.k.a. Peekaboo, is one of the fastest-growing acts in all of bass music. He's got huge collabs and remixes and has consistently had major Song of the Year contenders with Filthy Animal and Babatunde. And he's actually a really nice guy, which is shockingly rare. So, love that. Thanks to everyone who's been rating the show and reviewing it on Apple Podcasts and other assorted podcatchers. It helps people find the show. It really does. Please join the Patreon to get early access to episodes, bonus content, and full video of every podcast. We really, really appreciate everyone who supports the show in this way. Finally, head over to MrBillsTunes.com to sign up to become a hardcore Abletoneer. It'll make you a better producer. And if you're listening to this podcast, um, I'm going to guess that you're a producer because 90% of the people who listen to this shit are. So go do it if you haven't already. What's wrong with you? That's all for me. Enjoy Bill's chat with Peekaboo. Hey, you're listening to the Mr. Bill Podcast. Hey, you're listening to the Mr. Bill Podcast. Hey, you are listening to the Mr. Bill Podcast. Hey, you're 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 yeah man well thanks for coming on the podcast i appreciate it yeah absolutely thanks for having me i've, I've uh i, I love it it's my second podcast i've ever done so this is uh i will i have some experience under my belt right. what was the first one uh, i did one with willie joy um on his back-to-back series that was a really good podcast it was really fun did that a couple months ago mm. yeah nice is willie joy the same as barely alive is that the same guy no no willie joy um he you said i don't know if he still works for mad decent but he used to be on mad decent um he's done stuff with twonk um but he 
he he's a, he's an he's an artist, um, but he just uh, Willie is uh, is just two you know, so separate. Willie Joy and Willie is from Barry Alive. Um, Willie and Matt, those are the two guys. Mm-hmm. Barry Alive. Um, oh wait, Barry Alive. Two people. Yeah, it's two people. Um, Willie, I know Willie. I never actually met Matt because um, I think they live. One lives in L.A., which Willie lives in L.A., and then I'm pretty sure Matt lives in he's somewhere on the East Coast um, or something like that. And yeah, they just like work over the internet, I think. Um, and then I guess they can play like two shows in the same night, right? Because they just wear that mask thing. Yeah, I, I don't, and I think, yeah, um, I'm not sure. I've never seen shows, and I've only seen one person play at a time. So I don't know if one of them is just doing the touring, and one of them does just like sits at home and just produces and stuff. But dude, that's um, the dream set up right there. I feel. Yeah, like. <laughs> but they, they both know they're both really good producers. Like they're. They work really hard. Um, I love Barely Live stuff. Like it's such good mixed down shit and just so creative. Yeah, yeah. I usually in the car listen to heavy stuff, and then when I'm at home, I'm mostly listening to soft stuff. Yeah, um, same. I can usually, uh, usually when I'm like, oh man, that sounds pretty good, and I like check what's on. It's you know either Barely Alive or Fox Stevenson or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Just really tight mixed downs. <clears throat> oh yeah super tight mixed downs dude yeah i feel like um the edm industry as a whole kind of has just gotten real crazy with how much um like three kilohertz and up is in music these days it's just starting Mm -hmm. to so incredibly abrasive i think yeah a lot of kids these days that i've noticed are like really cranking their high ends and shit and like um I just I'll hear so many songs and like it's just like it's just screeching my ears like on the on the high end because I think people are like oh higher is better it's like not exactly the speakers just don't represent the highs too well they're overcompensating so I got my uh, um, my A seven X's Adams because I love that rhythm tweeter I say rhythm tweeter oh my god <laughs> the ribbon <laughs> tweeter <laughs> nice I guess you could call it a rhythm tweeter. <laughs> It's a rhythm tweeter now. <laughs> but yeah, I, I like those because they don't, I, I feel like I don't overcompensate my high end anymore because they just accurately like represent it. I feel, it just sounds so clean. Yeah, the A7X is really nice. I've uh, written a few tunes. One was uh, straight up seminal shit from my album, Settling for Mediocrity. That was all ri- written on a, and mixed down on, on an A7X Damn. or two A7Xs. <laughs> yeah. They're um, my favorite speakers. They're really far. nice, man. Yeah. The, mm-hmm. um, those ribbon tweeters are sick. Have you used like the bigger version of them? Uh, no, but I've, I really, really want to get a pair because I think they're so sick. I just don't really have the, I mean, I had kind of had the space. I could easily have them in here because this is my base. <laughs> my guitar, your controller is just sitting in the back. <laughs> um, yeah, no, like I just think my space is just a little too small for those. Um, but it'd just be way too much power just next to my ears. But uh, I've always wanted to listen to that. Listen to them. I know my uh, Lick has a pair of those. I'm pretty sure he says there. He swears by them. Yeah, Emperor also uses them, and I think Emperor's mixdowns are some of the best. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. <clears throat> I notice you don't have treatment in your room. Is that just a thing you don't like? Or? Um, no. I just so this basement is just fully insulated, um, and. The, the only the only treatment I have is this curtain because I don't have a door and those stairs lead up to my my driveway. My neighbor is like right there, his house. Hmm. So I put that up just to suppress that. But like, I mean, it just sounds so good in here. I think I want to do some treatment though, just just 
just in, you know, for why not? Um, but I mean, I haven't really had any issues. I mean, I've been working on headphones a lot anyways, mostly. I'll like start the idea of my headphones. So I feel like I'm like isolated and I don't have any distractions around me. I don't hear any noises or whatever. Um, and I just know these headphones so well. Uh, and then I kind of finish the mix down on the speakers and whatnot. Mm. That's how you, that's how, that's, that's how I've been doing it. Um, since quarantine basically <laughs> nice yeah were you uh pretty productive during quarantine yeah i've i've been very productive i um i think at the beginning like when quarantine started um from like the months of what was it like march of last year to like june i wrote like 13 songs oh wow. um and then i wrote like probably i don't know i'm saying i'm sitting on 40 unreleased right now Damn. Um, uh, so yeah, I've, I've definitely, I mean, there was definitely times in, during quarantine where I haven't really been writing. I'll take like a month or two off of just not even looking at Ableton, just hanging out. Um, but now I've, I mean, I've been working pretty actively. I was doing Twitch streaming, like you saw probably my stream and I was, um, doing like a track a day. So I made like seven tracks in seven days basically. And they're, I'm pretty proud of all of them. Um, and so that was, I've just been super productive since then. I just kind of have like this spark to write again, especially with shows like kind of on the way back. Um, I'm just getting really inspired to write new shit. Hmm. Man, it's crazy that you uh, <clears throat> can punch a track out in a day. <laughs> yeah, I just, I feel like I just always overthought everything. And so I decided like, I don't know. I just don't really think about it. As much. I'm like the least technical producer you'll ever meet. Honestly, I, I, I don't like, it's like my matching chain is nothing because i i don't really i don't master around stuff i just i mix it all down myself because i like i care more about the mix down and then like i always you know have like you know the label person like dead beats or mousetraps done one for me for strobe my strobe remix but yeah no um sorry i'm just losing i'm losing track right now <laughs> i just had a brain fart <laughs> yeah no worries um yeah i feel uh i was thinking about this actually just before we did a call because uh, we we're talking on about this a little bit on twitter and i find i think what it what it is um uh i guess i don't know like edm in some way or bass music in some way like part of the the flair of it and the reason why it's cool is because it's just fun and it feels fun and it's like just yeah. a good vibe and you know you can party to it and you can have have a good time to it and i feel like if you uh like the vibe of a track doesn't just stop with like where the notes are and like where the drums are and and the sound design and stuff but i think it also extends to the mix down and the master a little bit as well mm -hmm. um, and just in the same way that you can have like a lame melody or like a really like rigid forced sounding drum beat with no flow or you know a really like uh classic yoi 2008 mm -hmm. sounding bass sound or like you know all these like very um you know kind of non-vibey boring things to listen to you can also have aspects in the mix down that are kind of akin to those things mm -hmm. and i feel like um it's really easy and i do this a lot to make your uh your mix down like way too chin strokery you know mm -hmm. like to kind of overthought and all of that yeah. stuff and i think at some point it starts to detract away from that funness of the chin. yeah and like you and i were talking about and how we were saying like i mean the way i always see it from when it comes to making music and, and stuff, like I have, I try to help my, some of my friends with this because they like, kind of struggle with this. Like just, you know, like I said, you know, spending like three hours on like just some like FX sound or like some mix down of like the kick or how's the kick, like, the kick just does not sound great. Or like, like I just, I feel like your, your mix is never going to be perfect because there is, there is really no perfect mix. Right? Like what can you say is perfect? Cause like, 
I, I think like, you know, like space laces, for example, like, I mean, I feel like to like a, to an everyday recording engineer, his stuff like is just super compressed, right? But it is compressed, but it's, but it's like so good. Like it's, that's like his style, right? Like that's his style of mixed down and that's what makes space laces, space laces. And that's what makes it like just pop. And so I feel like the imperfections in your mix down is what makes you stand out. So like sitting there and trying to like, oh, well, well Cohen sound does it this way. There, I want my mix to sound like theirs. Well, your mix is never going to sound like theirs because you don't. You're not Cohen Sound, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, if you just take away that that attitude or that mindset and just be like, "All right, well, I'm just I'm just going to focus on writing." Like, I write really fast, so I like well, I don't spend hours on like a bass sound like, EQing. I just like kind of get the idea down, get it to sounding good, just with my using my ears, and if it sounds good, I just move on and just keep going and adding whatever pops in my head. I'm kind of the same with the writing process. Like, I'm. I'm pretty fast at like getting everything written. Yeah. Um, but just something about me, uh, it just won't let me release the song until I've like at least done my due diligence of spending a month with it or something, you know? Yeah. Like I, I find I can't just like write a song in one day and then trust, uh, cause I, I've been doing this for a lot of years and most of the time when I don't do that, due diligence of spending you know a couple of weeks or months um re-listening to the tune over and over again obviously i'm doing this to many tunes at a time i'm not just like spending months on like one tune at a time um but whenever i don't do that and i like rush out the gate and release it like a year down the track i'm like fuck like like, should have spent a bit more time with that idea i think i could have like you know got that a little bit more ideal Mm -hmm. Um, and that's why i guess like these days i'm sort of paranoid to like rushed releases out and i just i sit on stuff for like way too long but i I definitely used to be that way especially um like around sort of the collaborative endeavors days like i did this series in 2013 where i released a collab with a different artist every week for 26 weeks in a row holy crap yeah it's like a big double album thing and um and back then i like didn't give a shit i was like whatever the track is that we have by the end of the week like that's it that's going that's what's going out yeah um and whether or not we just need to like truncate a whole section off the end of it or um you know we'll do that if we have to but like i I definitely was like whatever's done at the end of the week i'm putting it out and i kind of enjoyed that process but now when i listen back to a lot of those mixdowns and compare them to my next album irl which is like i wrote that not that long after like you know six months after so i wasn't like that much better of a producer um I just much prefer the mix downs on IRL still. Like I find them still listenable because I just spend a lot more time with them. Yeah. And I, I definitely get like that too. Or I'll like, I mean, I've there's, I mean, honestly, I could, I could say that every single song of mine that I've ever released, I look back and I always say like, Oh, I could definitely have done that mix down better. I could have done that to turn that down, turn that up and whatnot. Then I always think about it. It's like, you know what? It's like at the same time. I don't have to. Cause I still, like, I think this is, it's, it works. I mean, I'm proud of like my other stuff, you know, my old stuff. And um, yeah, I could have done some things better. Like, you know, everyone can, but like, I think there's a time you just have to like creatively just let go and like, be like, you know what? It, it, it's just, you know, it's just being proud of it and just, um, you know, cause I feel like if, if I, if I spend too long on a song, I just get in the creative block. I feel like I like, I almost like overwork myself. So I like to like, I'll make a song. And if I'm well, like, I start to be, I'll be going through like adding sounds, like start getting the idea going. And then all of a sudden, you know, then I'm like, I kind of just like, no, I have this instinct where I'm just like, all right, I got to sit here and just like, I'm just going to pump this out. I like to just sit and grind it out. Um, in like three or four, I try in fact, three or four hours usually. And then, you know, bounce it, 
listen to it a bunch for a, a day or two and then just touch it up here and there. And then, then I kind of just move on. Like I'll kind of get bored of it. Not like that. They hate it. Just kind of, you know, what? all right, I'm gonna work on something else. And then I just do another song. Like I like to try to like be productive like that. I try to like, all right, I want to write at least one song, like a, like maybe like, you know, once every other day and, and just trying to, you know, but at the same time, it's not a bad, bad thing if you like can't write a su- super fast. Cause you know, it's, I guess quality over quantity, but um, yeah, just try. I, I just move super fast. I think that comes to that is like I'm like you know I'm a huge. I, I, sometimes I think it comes from video, from video games. Honestly, because like I'm such a huge gamer and like I like whenever I'm playing a game or something, I like to just kind of grind it out like fast. And I feel like it just kind of translates to music. It's like the same. It's like a game to me. It's like I want to beat this level, <laughs> hmm. you know, and just like get on to the next one. Which games were you playing? Oh, dude, I've been playing everything before i hopped on this call i was just playing um free it just came out uh or i think it just came out in like full release whatever uh enlisted it's just, like free world war ii like battlefield shooter <laughs> game really fun um i play like hunt showdown um did you say cunt showdown no no, <laughs> no. it's just like two australians with bps like fuck you mate i'll fucking pick your ass <laughs> no 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 it's called hunt showdown it's a sick game dude it's 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 uh made by the guys who made crisis and if you know that game yeah um but it's like this uh old it takes place in the 1800s and you're like you have like lever action rifles like single barrel shotguns like and it's like this creepy atmosphere and the sound design in this game is so good to the point like where if you can hear like someone like stepping on glass like there's like stealth involved and you hunt monsters and like but you're also fighting other players at the same time it's just it's like revolvers like super slow reloading it's so fun i haven't played it in a while but um I need to start playing it again. But yeah, I just play like everything basically, you know, COD and uh, racing games, any adventure games, single player RPGs, everything. Nice. Yeah, I don't play a lot of games these days. The only one I mostly play is chess. Chess? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Someone I'm, said on Twitter that that was going to get brought up a lot. <laughs> dude, I, it's like a huge part of my life. That's awesome. Basically, the biggest parts of my life through quarantine have been chess, mountain biking uh baking and music <laughs> that's honestly that's that's a combo there you can't complain with that <laughs> that sounds pretty awesome <laughs> yeah it's a pretty solid combo um but yeah i, I don't uh, know kitty yeah, this, is, <laughs> this is youtube youtube <laughs> I'm youtube so i could be like what's up youtube it's your bill here with some cat food <laughs> oh my god i love that <laughs> yeah she's cool she's a friendly kitty but yeah um <laughs> I used to play a lot of shooty games, mostly Counter-Strike. Um, yeah, Counter-Strike is sick. Yeah, I got mostly into CSGO. It's a great way to keep tabs on who's fucking your mom. <laughs> yeah, it really is, honestly. <laughs> Any multiplayer game really gets a great way to track. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Just go on there. Everyone's like, it's me. I've been doing that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, nope, check. <laughs> That's another one. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I kind of got over the the toxic nature of that so yeah i recently just uninstalled call of duty because of this uh, that reason just i play like me and my buddies would play the like i'm super into call of duty because i just love like the competitive shooter aspect like i love just like it was they had like this 4v4 mode where it's just like in super limited like super strict rules and super limited like use on what you can use in the game like they ban guns and stuff and it got real like intense like it's like these kids are trying to win but i just got so tired of it and i feel like right now with shows coming back and like um you know 
I just want to keep writing and just kind of focus more on music. But so I've been really doing that because I've been game. That's all I've been doing in quarantine is gaming. Like I played, I just played a pod show in Cincinnati and like felt like it just felt like good to be on stage again and just like play music and I just and like hang out with people and like you know just like I miss that so much. I just want to just it's all I want to do. Let's just get back into it. (laughs) Yeah, nice. Are you um, vaccinated yet? Yeah, I got my first shot. Um, I'm getting my second one on Thursday. Awesome. Um, yeah, too, vaccinated. yeah which, which one did you get? Uh, Moderna. Moderna. Yeah, I got Pfizer. They're um, I live in Detroit in the Ford Field where the Lions play. They, they're uh, they've just been administering like hot, like millions like every day. It's crazy. Wait, you're in Detroit? I thought you were in LA. I was in LA. I moved back here. I, I'm from Detroit originally, so I but I moved to LA. Um, and I came back literally last year in July. Hmm. Um, because I. It was just, you know, start of quarantine. Like I just didn't like being in Los Angeles. It was really bit rough at the time. Um, but I had a really great living situation. But I also lived with nine people. So and I love all of them. But like it was just I was just like you know, all right, I'm about to be 25. I kind of want to like get my own spot, um, somewhere cheaper, you know. So I just went back to Michigan because I find it super cheap houses. I have a whole house to myself, and it's not like super big. It's just perfect size, really nice neighborhood. Um, I mean, it's where I'm, it's where I live where I grew up. So I, like, I'm familiar with the area. So it's just kind of nice to be back in that and have my own like studio now in my basement instead of my bedroom closet. <laughs> so that was my studio. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty happy with this setup I got now as well. It's like, uh, I have like just this one bedroom apartment and mm-hmm. this is supposed to be the bedroom, but I turn it into a studio and then nice. I sleep in the lounge room. <laughs> like, <laughs> where do you uh, live again? I'm in San Francisco now. Oh, okay. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah, I've been here for about... Uh, I moved here in January 2020. Hmm. And then I guess like... um, <clears throat> Yeah, the city shut down like three months after I moved here. So I haven't really gotten to experience proper SF stuff Yeah, yet. Yeah, I, San Francisco is a fun place. I mean, I've, I've only been there like maybe three times in my life, but I played Bill Graham, uh, the Bill Graham Center with Rez uh, last year on Earth two years ago, I guess, in 2019 on our tour. And that place was so sick. But Dude, that's uh, a huge venue. Yeah, it was, that was, I think that was the, that might've been, well, te- yeah, that might've been the biggest venue we played on tour. It was like 10,000 people in there or something. It was nuts. Congrats, man. Yeah, Res is massive. I mean, you are too now, which is crazy, but yeah. <laughs> Thanks, man. You, you did a, a, a lot of shows together, right? Yeah, I, w- I went on tour with her um, for her, um, was it the edge tour? I can't, I can't remember. No, not the edge tour. What am I talking about? It was, uh, yeah, uh, it was her beyond the census tour. Yeah, that's what it was. And we did like, I can't remember how many dates we did. We did a bunch. We put, we started off at Red Rocks. It was pretty sick. <laughs> Dude, that's sick. I still have not done a Mr. Bill show at Red Rocks. Oh God, that'd be so amazing. Um, Dude, I, I, that's the best, that's one of the best venues ever. <laughs> like hands down. It's just nothing. Yeah. Decent. I've actually played there, but just not as Mr. Bill. I played there as Electricado, which is like my side. Oh, project. yeah, yeah. Someone was telling me about that, actually. Your side project. I can't remember when that was, but. It's so uh, fucking weird that like this side project that I put like almost no energy into has played Red Rocks. And like this <laughs> other thing that I put all my time into has not. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny how that works, right? Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> um, yeah, that Red Rocks is a really great fucking venue so much fun we played so many cool venues and i mean even like the smaller ones were so i think res and i played at um i think it was in portland 
I'm pretty sure. And that was the this venue we played. I think it was called the Portland Convention Center or something. Some basic ass name. But we were like the first electronic act to ever play there. They're like, let's try it out. And like, we sold it out. <laughs> and like, it was a sick show. Um, uh, yeah, it was, it was just a really great tour. She's a really great person. Like, literally one of the best people I've ever met. Um, just really fun. And she's really a hard worker. She's fucking devoted. <laughs> it's yeah. really cool to see. Yeah, I find that with like most people who are like fairly successful in the music industry, it's easy to kind of like sit back from like the sidelines and be like, oh, these people are just like extra lucky and like, you know, these people, whatever, like whatever, they just have like good management or like they just got lucky mm-hmm. with their agent or they just like, you know, we're in the right place at the right time doing the right sound and all this crap. But it's like almost every time I see an artist who's super big and I actually meet them and see their work ethic, I'm like, wow, like I thought I worked hard. You definitely work a lot harder than I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, everyone works at their own pace and whatever works to them, you know. Um, I think I, I work pretty hard, but I, I feel like at the end of the day, I'm just sitting at home, like <laughs> making music and playing video games and let's live and hang on my girlfriend. That's really all I do. <laughs> it's a good but, um, to live a lax lifestyle, I don't like to stress myself out. <laughs> I just, all I care about, I mean, like music industry, I've just, it's just a really odd place but like i just all i care about is writing good music and i just try to keep focus on that all the time like i just care i I only care about the music i don't really care about anything else (laughs) would you would you like me to stress you out oh boy (laughs) can i tell you a story yeah go ahead (laughs) i'm scared um well it has to do with the with pandemic stuff it's not um i mean it's kind of scary it's very scary um so i was listening to this podcast yesterday uh and this guy was talking about how diseases uh, are getting to the point where they can be just like engineered using genetic printers Mm -hmm. and some of the genomes for some of these diseases for instance smallpox um just exists on the internet like you you or i could like publicly download the genome for smallpox and if either of us had a genetic printer we could just print smallpox in our house which is crazy. Um, and smallpox currently, uh, I mean, like genetic printers, sorry, currently uh, extremely expensive. Uh, but then, you know, it's one of those industries that's growing exponentially, kind of like computers or it's like tech in general, right? Mm-hmm. So eventually they're not going to be that expensive or big and people will be able to get their hands on them. Uh, and smallpox was something that was completely eradicated until recently when this lab like decided to start printing it and then created a small outbreak of it. So like the last person to ever die from smallpox was this scientist like a long ass time ago. And then recently a bunch more people died because of this little outbreak from this lab. What the um, f- And then the, the other thing that this guy was talking about coupled with this idea is um, the fact that like in America, we have a, like a shooting, a mass shooting pretty much every day, right? Like it's yeah. insane. Um, and he was like, the only reason why these mass shootings kill as many people as they do, which is like, you know, however many 50, a hundred, like, yeah, like a, a large amount of people, but not, not that large in terms of how, how much, how many people a disease could kill. Right. Mm-hmm. So that, and it's not to say that these people don't want to kill like millions and millions of people, uh, and then kill themselves. It's just, they're limited by their technology which is a gun. Um, so like if you give these same people access to genetic printers, 
I mean, it's like almost certain that these people who do these shootings who are psychopathic enough to do that are also psychopathic enough to use this technology to just like unleash disease, right? Yeah. Holy <clears throat> fuck. <laughs> yeah. So this guy is like, man, we're just on this collision course with this fucking insane apocalyptic world. Uh, and then on top of that, another thing that's happening simultaneously, which this was in a different podcast I was listening to, is everyone is like eating meat, right? <clears throat> um, or a lot, most people eat meat. Yeah. And every disease pretty much that we know of in the last however many years was created by eating meat, right? Like H1N1 swine flu was from eating pigs. Um, you know, influenza, like the common flu, that's from birds. Yeah. Uh, coronavirus, that's from a bat. Uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and on top of that, we're pumping all of these animals full of antibiotics, which is causing antibiotic resistance in humans, which means we're not going to be resistant to disease once we start spreading them like crazy. Uh, so we're going to have like these two massive problems where everyone's going to be completely resistant to the cure and the problem is going to be very rampant. Oh my God. <laughs> That's terrifying. Yeah, it's crazy, right? Jesus. I don't know. I have like speechless on that. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. So that's my cool story. <laughs> that's that's mind-blowing. Yeah, man. <laughs> I, I recommend listening to the podcast. It's um called Engineering the Apocalypse. It's on it's like the last podcast that Sam Harris released on his YouTube channel. Oh, okay. Well it's called and what is it? Engineering the Apocalypse by Sam Harris. Well, Sam Harris hosted it. It's like actually by this other guy. I can't remember his name. But yeah, yeah. I just wrote that down. Mm. I don't. I haven't listened to a lot of. I don't really listen to a lot of podcasts at all. The only one I ever really listened to was back to back because I used to like. I would drive from uh, Los Angeles to Fresno to see. My mom used to live there, and so I would always drive up there and listen to those podcasts. I would listen to like two of them and knock them out. Um, that's the only the only podcast I listen to because I don't. I don't really like, I don't know, whenever I'm like hanging out or chilling, like if I'm like usually just on my computer, like talking to friends in Discord or I'm like just literally just playing like music or um, that's really it. Yeah. I should get into more podcasts though. Yeah. I use them as an, I, I kind of just like put my AirPods in usually and walk around my house doing housework whilst listening to podcasts because I'm, I don't know, I'm in my house all the time, uh, you know, because I'm quarantining and I don't know. I have to just like get up and like get away from the computer sometimes. But you know, what else mm -hmm. do you do in your house, really? <laughs> yeah, no, that's like the struggle I find every day. Like it's like, it's just like you know, all I've been doing is just sitting inside playing video games and stuff. But um, something I just got. I you know what a one wheel is? One one wheel. Yeah, it's like these electric skateboards that. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, have a center wheel. Yeah. I bought one of those. Um, because I've been looking at these things for a while because I like my neighborhood is a really great like it's really like nice and like there's it's really great like sidewalks and like you know parks and stuff you can like ride these things so I bought one because like I want to just do something outside because like I just there's nothing really to, not really a lot of things to do right now because everything's closed so I just got this one wheel and so it's so fun because it goes like 16 miles an hour it's just like, just it's like a skateboard you don't push and so I just put in my airpods like I woke up day of Porter Robinson's album came out and I put my AirPods in and um, just hopped on the one wheel and just skirted downtown, got some coffee and just listened to music. And I've been doing that a lot now. I've been like, I've rode like 60 miles on it, just going around, just, just doing something different than sitting inside, you know? 
Are they uh, pretty dangerous to ride? Um, I, I mean, yeah, I guess I guess I would say they're pretty dangerous. You can fall easily, right? But like the at the same time, I say no because there's a lot of sa- there's a lot of good things about this thing that kind of keep you like safe. It's really smart technologically. It automatically balances you and it learns your body as you use it. And so when you hop on it, it like automatically kind of, and as you're riding it, it's, it's keeping you level um, to, to its extent. You know, if you start leaning over and throwing off the balance then you can fall, but it also has this feature if you're going too fast. So like if you say I hit 16 miles per hour, it has this thing called pushback and it's, it's like, so if it's like this, it slowly lifts up like this and it's like, Hey, like it's kind of like a warning sign that, Hey, you're going to nosedive. Like if you keep going, cause what it does, I think, I think if you just keep, if you ignore it and just keep going, I say you start leaning forward and try to go faster, it will the motor will shut off and you can literally nosedive and fall right off. Holy shit. Um you have to be in you have to honestly you have to be really dumb to like do that because like the push pack is so aggressive, it's like it's like, hey, like ch- like chill out. And if you just ignore it, then you're gonna fall. But like that's why I like I don't really go that fast. You're like 12, 13 miles an hour and just get a steady going, you know, steady pace and you learn it. Awesome. You know. For a- it is pretty fast. Like it's I, so, so fun. Yeah, I've been super into mountain biking and doing even like you know 12, 13 miles an hour through like a you know, rock garden or something. Is still it's like fast enough to hurt yourself. Yeah, I mean, is the the best thing is like, and the thing about this this one wheel is that the tire you can literally go off road on it. Like you can go on grass. Like it's super easy to get up on curbs. It crushes hills. Like it's like, and um getting off it's super easy it has like a simple stop feature where like it, you you just lean back and those it automatically breaks like it does that all the time so it has like brakes on it essentially so if you need to stop it's really easy to um and you kind of just like learn like I've, i haven't fallen yet I mean, i've gotten close but like <laughs> you just got to know your limit just can't be an idiot like you just got when you're riding like don't don't go aggressively fast when you shouldn't like just take it you know just enjoy it and chill it chill out and don't like look ahead, look at the ground. I mean, but like the tire is so big, like it's like it can do anything. It's crazy. I feel like I feel almost invincible on it sometimes. I'm just rolling around. I'm like effortlessly just moving my hips, just turning. And um, but it's just been fun because it gets me out and exploring and like just like I don't know, being outside and <laughs> getting fresh air, you know, instead of being in this dusty basement. <laughs> um, did you used to skate when you were younger as well? Yeah, I, I skated when I was like in middle school. Um, kind of like I stopped like my freshman, sophomore year of high school. Um, cause that's when I got, that's when I got into music, but yeah, I, I wasn't good. I could Ollie, I can, I, can, I did one kickflip ever, but I would like literally just set up like planks of wood and just like, like I'm like, like two by fours my dad had in his wood shop and I would just jump over them and just do that all day. Um, I did Ollie a seven stair once that was, that was a big, that was pretty hard to do. That was, that's all I could do. And then I gave it, I was, I'm not good at skating but i liked riding my skateboard around so that's how i kind of p- picked up the one wheel easily is because i i know how to ride a skateboard you know yeah i've tried to skate a few times and every time i have uh the board has like gone out from under the front of me and i've like fallen backwards and i that's happened like two or three times and then i'm like uh fuck skating <laughs> yeah it, dude it's so hard that's but that's why like i love i follow a bunch of like skateboarders and like skate companies on instagram because they're like they the clips that they post to these guys like i think skateboarding is such an art form and i think it's like it's so hard to do what these people do and i think it's like underappreciated like people just think they're punks but like it's like these guys are like 
they're like prof- they're professional athletes. They're doing crazy shit. Like it's not easy to do. So I respect it a lot. Yeah, um, I mean, it's hard to appreciate things that you've never done, right? Because like if you look at say I don't know, like Alex Honnold climbing mm-hmm. that like huge wall in the movie, oh, sorry, documentary Free Climb. Have you seen? Yeah, that? yeah, I've seen that. <laughs> you, you look at that and you're like, yeah, that's insane because like he's climbing this huge thing with no, uh, with no ropes. Yeah. Um, but the thing that you think is insane is just like how dangerous it is and how high it is, right? Like you don't actually appreciate how hard, how hard it is to climb that mm-hmm. shit as well. Um, and having just got into like rock climbing recently, I have like a new whole appreciation for that shit. Yeah. It's just like the certain things that he has to hold on to, it's crazy. It's like there's these tiny little nubs that are like the size of like the fucking eighth inch jacket that he's yeah. like holding onto with his fingertips and shit. It's nuts. Yeah. That that documentary made like had it in the edge of my seat the entire time. The way that was shot too, like that one scene where he's like he's like I think he's like climbing that rock and like the camera, I think, kind of is like upside down and it like goes over him. And it's just like you look just straight, it's like holy fuck, you get like a huge you get the depth of what he's doing. It's like, oh my god. It's yeah. crazy. It's nuts. It's also like when I watched it, I was like, surely he's not like risking his life really, right? Like he's he's like ninety nine percent sure he's he's like gonna make it, right? Yeah. But that's not true. Like when he was practicing it, that like one section where he either had to like put his foot out and do that like mm-hmm. hold thing or jump, like that was the only two options to get like past this one section in training he failed at like 50 percent of the time so it was like a 50 50 chance basically that he was going to die doing that yeah it's crazy fucking nuts (laughs) oh my god hey so i got like a bunch of questions from both uh twitter and discord that i posted about saying like hey you want me to ask peekaboo anything let's go you want to go through some of them yes absolutely all right let's do it Somebody says uh, that side project, though. Do you have a side project that I don't know about? Yeah, um, I started the side project uh, this like like a month or maybe a couple months ago um, because I was writing a bunch. Of, like I was kind of getting tired of writing dubstep. Um, not like not because I hate it. It's just, it's just like you know, you just I was just writing over and over and over. I kind of wanted to just write like I don't know, like there. I don't really know what to call it. It's kind of just like hip hop beats, or like kind of the melodic aspect. Stuff that they, that would not be like peekaboo stuff. Mm-hmm. Doesn't really sound like peekaboo in my opinion. Um, it's called Elixir. Um, it was called Alchemy, but then some really small like this the guy didn't really have any recognition. He just like messaged me and was like, "Hey," he was really polite about it. And he was like, "Hey, I've been doing trying to do this for like six years, trying to build this name." And I just gave. I was like, "You know, what? I'll change it." Like I know how hard it is to be an up, you know, especially a new artist, and you're like, you know you're pumped about a name and like someone takes it. So I just, yeah, I'll just change it. So I changed it to Elixir. Um, and I, I uploaded some originals on SoundCloud. I have like four or five and then I have low sodium um, fanatics, dimmed light, et cetera. Is this all yours? Uh, no, it's, I can link it to you really quick if you want here. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I'd love to check this out. And I have it on Audius too. Cause I have two flips. Um, I did a Justin Bieber flip and then I just flipped the Skrillex track. Um, mm, nice. Dude, yeah, it's dollar audio currency is crushing right now. Yeah, I know. A lot of, I've had friends who've made a lot of money off that. <laughs> yeah. Here, I just sent you on Twitter. Um, my sound. That's all my originals and stuff. And then uh, I'll send you my audience too. Sick. Follow. Um, nice. Yeah, I got that sort of hip hoppy flume type vibe. 
Yeah, just like I don't know, it's just stuff I write for fun. That just something like random inspiration that I write in a day. That's like not really like a would see a peak release. Just put it out for fun, you know. Mm. Um, I, I don't really spend too much time on those tracks, but I just kind of you know write something like I put this out next week. I need to put something else out, but yeah, it's been fun. Um, uh, what was the question? It was just saying like, what what is it or it the, it wasn't a question. It just said that side project though. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, people have been really receptive on it. Um, so I, I, I've been really stoked about that. I don't really post about it too much. I kind of it's kind of just for fun. Like I'm not going to take bookings for it. It's just like just I want. I missed like the days of like when you started out making music and like you could just click upload. You know, like I just I like to. I mean, with Peekaboo, I you know I wait for record labels all the time and like I just wanted to just have that like freedom. Just like you know, what, fuck it, I'm uploading this day, uploading this just just for fun. That's all it is. Just write. It's writing music when I. Or just writing like like those kind of songs when I feel like it and uploading it when I feel like. Yeah, I feel like there's something that comes with <clears throat> having a larger project where you feel like you can't explore as much because there's like an expectance of you, you know, like yeah. people, are, they're like, all right, it's a peekaboo release. Let's do this, the peekaboo thing, the big yoink and the big drums. <laughs> and like, you know, everyone's just like, all right. Yeah, same with... I don't know, it's a good example, like, you know, a tipper show, you know, like a tipper up-tempo show. Everyone's like, all right, let's go do the acid and the thing. And like, <laughs> um, I feel like, yeah, once you get to that level, it's like, it's very hard to just be like, I'm going to like not give any fucks and like put something together and just like write a thing and hit upload. I should honestly do that. Cause yeah, I kind of miss that ex- like exploratory phase of music too. Yeah. You're finding your sound and you're just like having fun with it and just like, just saying, fuck it. I feel like I'll upload. It's like you know, it could be some like random Sunday morning, and you're just like, I'll upload a song today because, and you know, you post it all yourself, and you know, just super proud about it. Don't don't really care about the plays. Like I don't like that. That's it's just fun for me to do that, and it helps me like break a creative block. Or if I don't feel like writing like a you know a peekaboo esque track, I'm just gonna write something you know for fun, and I can use that side project as an outlet just to be more creative. Mm. So. And it's definitely been helping. It's just fun to write that stuff. I love writing like those kind of chilled out melodic beats, like just um, whatever, like when it's like a rainy day or, you know, just feeling like it, just smoke a bowl and do it. <laughs> yeah, it seems like probably a good complimentary thing to do to the bass music. I feel like bass yeah. music or dubstep type stuff in general, it's almost at this stage, like not about the music. It's more like an engineering feat, right? It's like, you can get yeah. that stuff, like, who has like the growliest growl or who has the yeah, bassiest right. bass yeah, yeah like, who, who has can, the loudest song <laughs> exactly like who can fit the most shit through a stereo bus yeah i definitely see that in some dubstep songs i feel like in dubstep too there are a lot of guys that like you know that really do care about like you know just like writing a good tune like you know it's not even necessarily like engineering but just writing something that has like a great groove to it or um you know, just flows and stuff. So like there's definitely some really good dubs out there, but there's definitely dubs that's just very engineered, right? Yeah. It's how it is, you know, but. Yeah. Uh, all right. Somebody else says, how the hell does he make sub bass? And then somebody responded to that saying he uses the Leviathan 808 samples pretty much every time they are on splice. <laughs> yep. There's so, well, not every time. Um, I mean, I'll, honestly, like my 808s are usually that sample. It's called Leviathan Hold D. It's it's just such a clean sub sample. I think it's I think it's just so clean. Um, 
and it always fits well in my mixes and i think it fits in my sound and stuff and then if i sometimes i don't use that i'll like use just literally well now it's called basic science sub but it used to be called hip-hop sub uh, and like yeah. you know 10 and whatever <laughs> i don't know why they changed the name but they did um but that sub is honestly like really good it's like it you just you have to turn up the distortion knob a little bit and get like a little set like saturation to it it's honestly like i'll like do that write a melody or i'll I'll freeze it and flatten it because i like to work with audio let let us midi and i'll just chop up like i'll have it follow the sense and that's really it and a little bit of erosion sometimes here and there just to give like that white noise that's i feel like a lot of my sound is a little a lot of erosion you know Mm. um but yeah that that leviathan sample is fire i recommend it it's a very clean sub sample it's like just simple sine wave (laughs) yeah nice i'll check it out yeah um somebody says what is one technique he does personally that he feels is unique one technique that's a really hard question i i feel like something that i do um i mean it's not like unique i guess but like i have a variety of acoustic drum hits um I mean, I, I dig, I sample hunt like all the time for just like the best drum samples I can find. Um, cause I always care about the drums more than anything. Um, I like to focus all on the drums cause I feel like if you have really bad drums, like it's just like, I can't listen to it. It's just like, it's not fun. Like if you, that's the backbone of the track. Um, so I use a lot of really old vintage, like snare one shots, stuff like that, rim shots. And then, um, not, it's not really super unique, but, uh, Tynan showed me this trick and I kind of used it a little differently, but, um, Sometimes in a lot of songs, okay, so Nutcase, my song Nutcase, for example, that song was so weird because the main synth lead or whatever, the drop synth, it's like the, or the intro, it's like a vocal chop, basically. It's literally from a Michael Jackson acapella. Um, and I just like pitched it up and chopped up like different phrases of like, or just different cadences of his like voice and like made my own melody out of it. It was really weird. Uh, I do that a lot. And then I'll take like from a baseline, like I'll take like a, Something I do that's kind of unique is I'll take a take the Leviathan sample at the main subline, then I'll duplicate it, and I will reprocess it. So I'll like cut all the lows out, probably usually around like eight hundred or nine hundred, and I'll just like add distortion, white noise, and then I'll take um, Max for Live. Um, if you own Ableton, to anyone who's watching this, um, they have like a Max for Live packs on Ableton's website, and you know about them too, I'm sure. Like those like it's called Max for Live Essentials, mm-hmm. and it has the LFO tool which you can literally map to any parameter on Ableton, which I love. So I'll take that. I usually will take a frequency shifter and I'll put an LFO parameter on frequency shifter and put it on the, um, the fine knob and I'll like crank the offset to all the way to one. And then I'll just kind of like move the frequency on frequency shifter a little bit and, and it turns into an LFO. So it just changes the frequency and kind of just does this. And it kind of gives you that, like, I don't know that. I don't know how to explain it. I don't want to do it with my mouth, but like, that's. I think my, a lot of my a lot of my sound is, is heard with that same kind of technique. Um, I feel like that's something I really do all the time. Yeah, nice. Uh, all right, let's go from Twitter to Discord, where the questions are going to get a lot weirder. Oh boy! Uh, all right, <laughs> first one is: uh, when he wipes, does he go front to back, back to front, or side to side? Front to back, back to front. Definitely front to back. I like I like a nice like upstroke. You know, like you just got to do it. You got to just just clean that way. The other way doesn't make any sense. 
Yeah, I feel like side to side makes the least sense. Yeah, I like to go from front to back because you know gravity's in your favor at that point. Because <laughs> if you just go from back to front, <laughs> shit can fall and you're not ready for. <laughs> yeah, there's a movie Literally. by Kevin Smith called Chasing Amy, and they like have a conversation about this. Um, and the guy's like wiping the baby's ass. Uh, like the guy, well, the guy has a baby and he's like wiping her butt <laughs> and he's like wiping forward. Uh, which I guess is how you wipe a baby's ass, right? It's like, yeah, you lay them down and you wipe this way. The guy's like, dude, you can't like wipe that way. You're gonna get a poo in her uh, crevice. And I thought that was, oh. a... <laughs> ew, what definitely the uh... way to say that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, highly recommend that movie if you're in. Okay, yes, I gotta check that out. Oh my god, uh, are you into crypto? Somebody asks. What the um not price? really okay. i i i did invest into dogecoin when it was it's like a meme but i didn't make any nice. money basically right after i mean a week or two after i invested the capital gains tax thing was brought out and then it crashed but i don't really i don't really look too i don't really know i like have zero knowledge of like anything about bitcoin or anything like that i just don't really get into it <clears throat> um but i think it's crazy i think it's a mind-blowing to me like how crypto is like at, how it is right now yeah it's insane yeah. uh yeah i invested in dogecoin in 2017 and made like i don't know a couple of thousand bucks like damn <laughs> that's awesome yeah <laughs> but yeah well, it's pretty funny meme when i found out about it which was like literally the day that it went it rose from set it was not that long ago it was like a week or two ago right it rose from like 17 cents to like 45 cents in like a day mm-hmm. yeah and i was sitting at the table and i, I downloaded the Robinhood app i was like i'm I couldn't even invest like because you have to get it pre-approved. Or you have to get approved, whatever. And so I'm waiting for my account to get approved. I literally, if I invested at that time, I would probably have made some decent amount of money. So of course, <laughs> right when I could, it was approved, it went started to go down. And I was like, all right, well, hmm. but yeah, do it's you, hilarious. Do you make investments in general? No, I haven't yet. Um, I was gonna start doing that pretty soon. I, I'm not, like I said, like, I'm not really knowledgeable on like the whole like investments, like stock stuff, and so I. I have a business manager that I have hired. And so he's going to, um, he wants me to, you know, when shows are coming back and stuff and like, I'm making like money again, you know, and, um, I'm going to like definitely have a mutual funds or, or something or have like the guy have, um, my business manager to kind of help me invest it and diversify. Um, yeah, it's a good idea. It's something that a lot of music people don't do. I think is like, you know, they don't put money into retirement accounts, like step IRAs and yeah. stuff like that. And they don't have yeah. like refund portfolios yeah, I'm definitely going to be doing that. I mean, my business manager have talked about that because he said, he said the same thing. A lot of people like overlook that stuff. It's really don't important. Think about it. Yeah. Super yeah, man. I, it's something I worry about with a lot of my friends. It's like, yeah, you're making, you know, five grand a pop on a show now, but you're, you're blowing it all on LA rent. And yeah. <laughs> when you hit, you know, 50 and you've just been doing that for a long time. Yeah. Uh, all right. Next question. How many people or how many, how many times people? I guess I don't, how many people say peekaboo when they see you? A lot, <laughs> a lot, a lot. You know, a lot. Like the, the big thing when I'm at festivals that everyone always does is when I'm like walking by and they recognize me, they'll like go, hey, they, I look over and they just go, <laughs> which is like, it's, it's kind of, it's funny, but it's also, it's cool. It's like, I guess it's reinforcing the brand. Right. <laughs> but no, mm-hmm. it's just fun. It's fun seeing people do that. One, uh, one time I thought I, <laughs> I was, I was at a grocery store. I was in the parking lot. I was putting my groceries and I hear, 
peekaboo. I just like, I'm like, oh no, not the. I turn around and it's just mom with her little kid, like baby in the shopping cart doing peekaboo. I'm like, God fucking damn it. I'm like, <laughs> I, just, I was like, I was, I felt so bad. I was like, God damn it. <laughs> so funny. Dude, that's awesome. Um, yeah. How did you come up with the brand and like, uh, how did you, cause it's like a pretty coherent brand, like with the name and the logo and like the fact you can do the thing and like, yeah. Honestly, it was one big happy accident. Um, so I used to produce under my name. When I first started making music, I was making dog shit. I was, it was just Matthew Lucas, my name. And then my second account was called Inner Circle. And that's when I kind of got a little more like, it was kind of like Elixir in a way. It was like more melodic, like down tempo, or I don't know, just hip hop beats. Um, then I was kind of getting serious to that, but not anything. It was still, I was still a nobody, like not, no, not known at all. Um, maybe Reddit trap knew who I was for a little bit, <laughs> but uh, my mom's uh, best friend's uh, husband is a really successful music lawyer. Um, and he, he's like, he's, you know, it's like Steven Tyler from Aerosmith. He's like re- really good friends with that guy and uh, manages a lot of bands. And I, he, I guess he used to manage the, the band inner circle, like mm-hmm. literally used to manage them, which the guys that made, you know, bad boys, what you won't like. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, and they were so actively touring. So I had to stop. And I was like, he's like, yeah, I advise you probably should stop because they're still actually recording and you could probably get hit with a cease and desist. I was like, fuck. So I was like super depressed. Like I was like, I was still in college. Um, I was like, that was my sophomore year of college. And I was about to quit. I was like, I was so upset. I was like dragging all my shit. I was like, I'm never going to get, at this point, I've been trying for like five years, right? Like I've been grinding. Like I just can't get anything. I just don't know what to do. And my best friend, um, Sully, um, he's a bit on tour with, um, uh, Look a stranger um for uh, last year or two years ago essentially um and we went to college together and he was helping me out he's like yeah i don't you shouldn't can't quit music and he goes what do, the first thing he says let I me mean, help you like figure out name it was the first thing he said was peekaboo and i was like that's kind of sick i like that and then i instantly thought of like just like a skeleton doing this just covering his eyes and i was like that's kind of dope and it's supposed to be a side project um at first i was kind of just making like rap beats i guess um kind of in this like weird 2014 trap vibe and then i made like a bass song and that was that was the first song i put out really and then it was called aftermath so i think it's still on my soundcloud um super old song uh arl grind picked it up and he played it at one of his shows and that was like the first time an artist has ever played my songs um and then after that kind of that's how my managers kind of found me and ever since then i just kind of um was doing my own thing i put up my own ep by myself was four tracks that I, I took one of them off um because just i didn't like it anymore i thought it was terrible <laughs> but uh the th- funny thing about that the reason i'm talking about that is i put, put, did this ep and i literally one of the songs in there called wobbly was the last was a last minute ad i was like i was literally uploading the ep just by myself just literally in my bedroom just like uploading i was like you know what I'll throw that song in there. I, I was really proud of that song i thought it was sick a lot of my friends liked it and i was obviously put it out and that was a song. That's <laughs> funny I talk about this now, but that was a song that Bass Nectar picked up. Um, and like, every, and then we made our collab, and then um, that kind of kickstarted my career, really. Um, Bass Nectar collab. Yeah, that was how I kind of got put on the map a little bit because he was playing wobbly, and everyone's like, "What is this song?" And like, his fans are so loyal that like they would just like look up the song and found it, and they skyrocketed from like fifteen thousand plays, like one hundred twenty thousand plays, and like like i don't even know it was insane it blew up and then 
Yeah. Then that's the peak of a thing. Just it was so natural. I literally paid like 200 bucks for the logo for my buddy who designed it uh, in college. He gave me a bunch of mock-ups and I just ended up, I was like, I like this one the most. It's the same logo. Hasn't changed <laughs> since then. Dude, that's sick. That's yeah. awesome. That's cool. That, yeah, shit just like worked out really well. Yeah, I literally just, I just kept at it. didn't quit. Um, <clears throat> just grinded and just, I knew that one day it would happen. And I was, at the point when I, when I got hit up from base after with the collab and stuff, I was like, okay, well, I was going to my senior year of college and I was like, okay, well, if I'm, if I'm doing this right now, if I have a collab with base nitro, then I think I can do this. Like that was like my sure sign. Like, okay. I can do this in the industry. Like if, if he thinks it's good, like, or, you know, I was in that mindset. I can do this. Like, fuck it. I'm doing this as my career. So I was going to school for audio engineering, but like, I just, it wasn't like, I was like doing like film. I was in studios recording bands and doing live sound, which was cool. But it's not what I wanted to do. Um, and so going into my senior year of college, I probably wouldn't have graduated even for another like, two or three years because I was so behind on like these certain credits for music school. What was so the, I just, where you went to, uh, I went to Western Michigan university, um, in Kalamazoo it's in the West side of the Michigan. Um, it's like a, it's a party school. It's like 30,000 kids, 20 to 30,000 student body, um, pretty wild parties, but that's how I learned how to DJ I DJ parties all weekend. Um, and with all my buddies who are still all friends with today, we all moved out to LA because I dropped out my senior going to my senior year. I was like, I'm, done i want to move to la i um i drove out there by myself packed up all my stuff i can't went there with like two thousand dollars which is nothing for los angeles mm -hmm. and uh, i slept on the kitchen floor in a three-bedroom apartment with five other people for eight months yeah. that's kind of i grinded and made my first tp in that in that apartment why um, why do that rather than just make the music in detroit well, the reason I moved out there was because all my friends were going to Icon Collective. I didn't go there. I was thinking about it, but I was like, you know what? I don't think I really need it. I, just, I don't think it was, it was too much money, like 20,000 bucks at the time for me. Uh, but they all went and they got they benefited from it greatly. Um, it's a really great place. Uh, and we lived right across the street. It was all my friends. It was like all my friends that I DJed in college with were all trying to do music. So I was like, it was really inspiring to just like, fuck it, I'm going to do it too. And so we all went out there, just worked our asses off and... Um, and you know, some of us, I mean, it's, it's like Sully, uh, my best friend, he, he started, he's like been touring now. It's crazy. Even I haven't came up together and we're now we're playing like festivals together and, um, and just shows in general. And it's just cool. Um, we worked it really hard. And it was just, that's why I moved to LA. I just wanted to like get out into a new place, you know, kind of learn how to be on my own more. Um, cause I moved a whole, you know, across the whole country. And also my mom lived three hours North. So I was like, okay, well I've still got family here. So it's cool. Um, I loved it. I loved LA. It was great. It was a great time. And then we moved out of that apartment, had got a seven bedroom house and nine people. It was, it was like, it was literally made for music musicians. I swear. It was like <laughs> this long hallway. And there was like doors, like bedrooms off this hallway, just like door on the left or on the right. And each bedroom was just like, it had like a bunch of plugs. It was all equipped for studios essentially. So we, my studio was in the closet, but each one of us had a pair of studio monitors and we we're all making music. So we could all like reference and we just, we would DJ in the weekends, live stream. It was so fun. Damn. Really great time. Okay. Yeah. Oh, uh, man. Yeah, that sounds great. Um, <clears throat> yeah, the next question is, what is the worst pun that people make about your name? The worst pun? Probably peek-a-poop. Peek-a-poo. Yeah. I, and, the, and one of the, <laughs> it's funny, one show I played, it was like one of the first, one of the first couple shows that I've played and I started touring, uh, it was me. 
I opened for Essex. Um, it was me then of the tree, or I can't think it was of the trees, then me and then Essex. I can't remember. Um, and it was a sick, sick show, but on the ticket, like on the t- actual ticket you buy, it said peek a poop. Like they had like a spelling <laughs> error or uh, spelling error. Yeah, how did they fuck that up? I don't know. The promoter was like, Oh, isn't that hilarious? I'm like, well, it's kind of funny, but like what the fuck <laughs> like that my fans are buying this ticket and it's i, I was kind of pissed it sounds like it's, it's not funny it's like but at the same time i was like yeah it's kind of funny but yeah that's the worst one i get i hear that all the time <laughs> <laughs> or i have um another one another pun um do people say peek a boof and there's uh, these fans that literally made like a hundred of these t-shirts maybe a hundred more made these t-shirts and it's literally like my logo but they morphed it so it looks like it's like a it's literally an ass and there's an asshole and it's literally like peak, it's spreading your cheeks. It's oh, like, dude! It's my logo type font. It says peekaboo. Oh, that's hilarious! It's yeah, so peak, funny. Peekaboo or peekapoo with like goatsy, but like your logo meshed over goatsy or something like. Yeah, that. yeah, dude. That's that was a funny pun on my on my name. I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> that's actually pretty god tier because like it takes the brand to like mainland and yeah it's- yeah yeah it is and pikachu you know it's like okay <laughs> yeah oh yeah that's a good one yeah the, the worst ones i get is like um people call me like uh bilbo baggins and then also <laughs> your mum's bildo uh <laughs> also because my name is bill day a lot of people call me bill gay oh my god <laughs> That is, uh, people are so creative yeah that's that's like the worst ones i get <laughs> um all right next next question uh oh uh, yeah this is kind of a good question what are your thoughts on hyperpop and what are your top producers that you like with less than five thousand followers on soundcloud so it's kind of two questions i honestly don't really know what hyperpop is me either like, what does that classify yeah i don't i'm so assuming it's basically like vocals with a shitload of auto tune on it and distorted 808s. So I don't, I don't know any of that. <laughs> have I don't you, think have I you know anything. To a hundred gex. No. Okay, that's like I think the pinnacle of hyperpop. I'll look sure. up like a hyperpop playlist on Spotify and get culture because I have no idea what that even <laughs> is. Um, what was the second question again? It was. Uh, like what are Sound- your favorite producers on SoundCloud with less than five thousand followers? So just small producers that you really like. Let me pull up my SoundCloud. One of them, um, I just found this kid, and it's, he goes by AVL, um, and he's from Dallas. And this kid sent me a song on. He just put it's the last thing he put out. It says "Childish Gambino Remix." Oh yeah, and he, yeah. He put it out. Um, he sent it to me. And this kid literally has 451 followers. And that song is sick. The sound is, the mix is great. Like, it's, it's kind of ridden me, but like, it's, I don't know. It's, it's just such good dubstep to me. And there's this one synth line that comes in, like, in the second drop that is just so grungy and just like, I don't know, makes you just want to bounce. Um, but this kid is one of my favorites. Yeah. Uh, he, he literally, I think he said he lives in a fraternity, which I did too. So I, I started my whole music career in a fraternity. That's how I made, I made my, all my music in my bedroom there. Dude. And, um, He's kind of the same. That's one of them. Uh, God, there's there's so many. I, I couldn't even tell you. <laughs> like lower than 500 followers. Uh, 58. Oh, you should check out 58 Dust. Lower than 5,000 followers. Oh, 5,000. Oh, okay. 
Well, another one, 58 Dust. You'll like 58 Dust. He's a local Michigan guy. Um, I compare his music to like Cohen sound level in a way. Um, Dude, this is so good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's sick. Right. Super oh sick. Um, Dude, fuck. People are so good at producing these days. It's crazy. I know. Dude, that I've been working with a bunch lately. His name is Eli Derp. Um, and he's got like, yeah, 3,000 followers on SoundCloud or something, but he's mm-hmm. like insane. He's, he's a way better producer than I am. He's also only like 18 years old, which is crazy. Damn. I think it's so crazy young. Because like people uh, who get so good at producing so young these days, they've just like had access to it from just day one, right? And yeah, the younger you are, like the more plastic your brain is, you know, the better you are at learning languages when you're young, the better you are at learning like mathematical yeah. concepts all that kind of stuff um and so the better you are learning music and music production and technology and all that shit too so i think like when people have owned a skype account or whatever since the age of four they just <laughs> have their you know roots ingrained right heavily in tech and yeah that's i don't know insane like more kismet is another example he's like yeah 17 or something it's yep. insane He's got a remix for um, Tate McRae's pop artist coming out. It's huge. She's really big. Nice. Um, I'm trying to think of three others. I don't. I don't really. I'm going through my SoundCloud, but a lot of these guys don't really have. I mean, um, Quiet Beats is pretty cool. Q W Y A T T Beats. That's how you spell it. They're pretty sick. W I E T T. Yeah, it's like quiet, like it's like Q W Y A T T, and then beats all one word. Uh, They're really good. Oh, IDHS is pretty sick too. I like his music a lot. Makes like deep dub, kind of like deeper dub kind of stuff. Um, I'm gonna get, I think one more, right? Yeah. Huh. Let's see. Oh my God. And following all of these people on everything. These guys don't have less than 5,000 followers, but I'm just going to say it. They they just split up, though. Um, do you know Echol? Yes, Echol is yeah. amazing. Yeah. It's like yeah. Serpent Grail, one of the best songs I've ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> yeah, Echol is nuts. That's like Cohen sound level shit for sure. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> it's like, why do you think someone like Echol is not as big as someone like Cohen sound? Or like, you know, this other example you just sent, uh, 58 Dust. Like, why why is Cohen Sound so much bigger? I feel like it's because that music is a little more harder to digest for, like, the common, like, listener, you know? Like, I mean, it's because it's, it's, I don't know. I just think that it's like a, it's like a producer's producer, right? Like, it's like, I don't, I don't want to say it like that. But you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's not as... I guess you know in in shows and stuff it's not as marketable right like it's not like commercialized because like that stuff doesn't you know, that wouldn't be you wouldn't hear that stuff play like at any like a party with like regular people because like they don't you know it's not like it's just not danceable but like i think it's harder to digest and harder to appreciate like if you're not if you don't know anything really about producing it's like, okay well this stuff's like because the average person would be like oh this just sounds like a lot of noises and it's just really weird syncopated beats like then in our brains the producer mind it's like God, how does he like do that fill or how does he like make that rhythm? How does he make that little quick little, mm. you know, bass sound? Like we're like analyzing it and we just, appre- I think we pre- producers appreciate it more because we know how complex this shit is like being to be made. Um, I feel like that's why it's harder because to the average person, like, you know, you, you go to these shows, not, I'm not, not knocking on people. It's not, they're not like, we're not lower than us. Like it's just people who don't 
make music like right they're just listeners so they, you know so they just appreciate what they're hearing mm. and i feel like i mean it's the same as like you know we were talking about before with skateboarding and mountain biking and stuff it's hard to appreciate if you don't actually know how tough yeah to do right exactly like, once and, you know like how hard these things are to do and then you hear someone pull it off so flawlessly you're like well yeah like really good yeah but i mean i would i wish like i mean it's sad that echo even split up but like, i wish that like you know <laughs> those guys they deserve i mean they make such good music it's incredible but like you know it's just i think it all just comes down to just marketing and and just you know business wise at the, i guess at the end of the day right um do you think you could take like any or pretty much any producer and like make them big with the right marketing i mean you think i, it had to be I like somewhat a combo of like you know good music as well like it definitely has to be good music at the end of the day yeah. i think like music like good music goes over anything i mean yeah there's a lot of people i mean it's you know in music industry there's a lot of people with really shitty songs that you know that make make it big because like it's you know because it's that's the market right it's the marketing it's just like it's like so think about it, i think of, think of it just like when it's like a consumer like producing like for products like hand soap it's like you know it's like advertisements and they'll sell you in their shitty product and they ends up being you know, get it all oh, this the soap sucks like at the end of the day right like it's i think like it's the same thing with music it's like you can only go so far like, i mean i think good music outweighs anything um because no matter what like i mean i see a lot of artists they have really good marketing strategy of their branding but like the music just doesn't hit and it's 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 or you know it's like so you have to you have to be able to write good tunes if you want to make it big and that's why i tell kids all the time when they're starting out i'm like don't worry about like shows like or anything like just focus on the music like come up with a cool come up with a cool name you know maybe get a cool like logo or brand or whatever and, you know nice like you know pr presentation but just focus on writing music like write something unique and and don't worry about oh i'm not getting any show offers or oh i need to go sell 50 tickets so i can play opening room at this like yeah maybe if you i did that you know but like I, I wish I spent more time when I started out. I mean, I spent a lot of time working on music. I mean, I didn't, I don't think I didn't do this, but I'm just saying like the times that I would worry so much about playing a show, I wish I spent that energy into making a song. Cause you, like you could have like the worst name and branding. Right. But if you, if you write a hit, an absolute hit and it gets picked up by the right person, you can take off. Like that's all it takes. All it takes is one song. Mm, yeah totally yeah i feel like there's um like a this weird ladder anxiety shit that comes with the i guess any industry but like i specifically i see it a lot in the music industry where people um they haven't been doing it for that long they've been like maybe doing music for like a year or something and they're starting to feel like all this anxiety that they're not getting shows yet and stuff like that yeah because like it's really just a byproduct of capitalism right mm -hmm. it's like in in capitalist society we feel like for what we do to have value it has to be turning over some profit or it has to be yeah doing something in that direction for us to feel like it's like a valuable task to be spending yeah. our, our time on yeah and, so, and you definitely can get clouded by that right it's a lot a lot of people do um like definitely i feel I like think, oh, oh, sorry go on uh, i was gonna say like i think to add on to that well um like something that my managers always help me when I'm writing um, is that like I, I sometimes I always try to like one up my, like my the last thing I made. Mm -hmm. Well, I used to, I guess I used to like just be obsessed about, okay, I need to write a song way better than the last one. Mm -hmm. I want to like do it over. But like, 
success, like, like thousands of plays or hundreds of thousands of plays in a song is not success. Like mm-hmm. it's the success is making the song. Yeah. Maybe it gets like, say like this song gets 50,000 plays and this, this one gets like 400,000. I'm still going to be equally as proud as a song with 50,000 plays than the one that has 400,000 because I am proud of it. I made it. And that's all that matters. I don't care if it's an elite, if it's the least favorable song in the, in the EP. There's a lot of songs on like my EPs that I like more than uh, wait, my, my, my fans like. Like I look at my Spotify stats, it's crazy. I'm like, really? Like people like that song a lot more, but I never let that stray. My, like, I mean, it doesn't mean like the stuff that's at the bottom is not successful or it's not good music. It's just like just people, it's just how people, people's different music tastes. It's so subjective. So I'll always be proud of what I make, no matter how many plays it gets or what, you know. That's all I care. You know, it's, if I'm proud of what I made, then that's all that matters. That's success to me. Yeah, I think there's like also something to be said for um, being like really happy with the shit that you're making because it kind of like oozes out of your project a little bit. Like, yeah, you're making something that you don't really like. Um, you know, you're doing, you're on stage, just like going through the motions with your DJing and like you're just going through the motions with releases just for the sake of putting a release out every month because you feel like you'll become irrelevant if you don't and so on and so yeah. forth. I feel like that kind of like reeks of disingenuousness and people can like tell, right? They, like you can sort of tell, I think, if an artist is just grinding releases out because they feel like they have to because capitalism versus yeah. like if somebody's doing something that they really, really love and like they're vibing super hard with it and like every time you see them play, they're like definitely having a good time and they're playing like their latest shit that they like really love and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. You can also sort of tell with that. I think a great example of that is Space Jesus. Like when you watch a set of these, um, it just like it feels like you're partying with somebody and it feels like, you know, he's having a lot of fun and all that sort of stuff. I don't know. Is he um, cancelled or yeah he he well i don't i don't really know too much of the situation because i don't really like i don't really get into it because i just like i see i see it i see it on twitter and i kind of read what's going on but i don't really get like super involved like i mean i definitely have my you know but it's like that's that's you know his business but like i think they're still working out the lawsuit but essentially yeah he's canceled you know like people there's accusations against him and a lot of people were very upset about it um and I have I haven't seen him talk or tweet or I haven't seen him anything anywhere in a long time, um, so I have no idea what, what the current situation is. But yeah, essentially he is canceled. I feel like, hmm. yeah, yeah, man. I this shit just like keeps happening in the music industry. It's crazy. I mean, I guess that happen happens in a lot of industries. Um, mm-hmm. Like it happens obviously in the comedy industry and the film industry a lot as well, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's been specifically bad. I feel like in the last few years in the music industry, there was like yeah. that sick thing, and then there was the, um, what was the one after that? Um, I can't remember. But I mean, obviously, the big one lately has been Bass Nectar, which was fucking. Yeah, crazy. I saw Vice just wrote an article on that, which was nuts. Yeah, I was mentioned in that article. <laughs> yeah, so was I, because I. Yeah. Had a, yeah, you were too. Yeah. Yeah, a podcast episode with Dylan and Mimi Page which was, um, yeah, crazy. Dude, he just sounds like crazy manipulative. Like um, yeah. he, for instance, called Dylan and was like, man, you got to like help me out. All these people are, you know, saying all this shit about me on the internet. And like, uh, I just need like a friend to stand up for me right now. I've got a gun and I've been like thinking about killing myself. And it's like, what? like Jesus, who the fuck calls their friend and says like, if you don't defend me on the internet, I have a gun and I'm going to kill myself. Like that's just crazy manipulative. Yeah. That's not healthy at all. Like, 
Yeah, I mean, you know, when I when I would talk with him, and I never saw that side of him, but like, I don't know. It's it's very unfortunate for those people, and and um, I don't know. I just, you know, it sucks. It sucks too. Like, I mean, it may it puts artists, it puts all of us in a in a very uncomfortable position because like it makes him like if it keeps happening people are like well are these djs are these good guys or are they all bad guys right like and i know a lot of you know i've known i've seen we've all seen it like you know it's like it's easy to live the rock star life right and live that way and 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 it's like but no it's like i don't know i think that's when people get too money hungrier and get too carried away with the success and fame and they think that they're just invincible when at the end of the day like we're all we're st- like we're human for humans and like you have you just because who you are doesn't mean or how big you are doesn't mean you can just like <laughs> you know what i mean like you're not inv- you're not invincible i feel like, like people just forget that they're right writing beats yeah that's a great way to put it like honestly that's like the best way i i could even i, I agree with you 100 because i i i've seen you know I've, i'm not gonna name names but i've seen artists like i've been to these festivals and i've seen like i see like really like is that really how they operate like you know like, like like i mean i don't judge anybody like i don't people live their lives differently and do whatever they want but like to me like when i'm at these festivals like i see these guys and they're just like all they it's all that's like all they care about is like they're these their their crew like they're they're like their girls that are with them or like the drugs that is being provided to them and it's like they forget that the reason that they're doing all this is because to make music right like because yeah, they like sit around on ableton loading up serum presets and splice samples and yeah arranging them in such a way that <laughs> And like treating it more like a job, right? And it's like, I, yeah, this is my job, it's my career, but I still treat it just as like a hobby because it's like I love. I don't just make music to make money. I just make music because I love making music, and like, I, yeah, I like to drink at festivals. I, you know, I, I hang out, I party, whatever, and like, but like, I don't. At the end of the day, like, I get my shit done first. I go play a set. I do. I make my you know make my music and like, remember, always remember that like nothing else i mean i you know i've got a beautiful girlfriend and i and like like i love having that connection with somebody and like and just not even have to worry about any of the bullshit i just you know focus on her and focus on my friends and focus on my music that's why i always i don't focus on any of the bullshit that can get me in, in trouble right like i'm there to work i'm there to like grow and i want to get bigger and i want to make better music and that's all i care about and i think a lot of artists lose sight of that because they get so you know they get the money and then they they get all these people who like them <laughs> or just want to be around them because they, they're their friend, you know, it's just fake bullshit. And that's when, that's what gets you in trouble when you start hanging out with the wrong people and start, you know, doing things you do, you know, you just got to be true to yourself. Remember who you are. Yeah. I think there's just like an inherent problem with sensationalizing anything, right? Like as soon as you start to put people on a pedestal or in some like position, of social power just weird shit happens and like that was seen i think in the stanford experiment i think it was called mm-hmm. where like yeah they, i heard about that yeah, yeah they like made a bunch of people like pretend inmates and then yeah a bunch of people pretend like uh co's or whatever you call them like uh pr- like correctional officers, officers. Yeah. yeah and then like it was like they put them in a area for i want to say like a week or something like yeah. that and by the end of the week like the inmates were very like passive and being beaten into line by these like correctional officers. Yeah. Both of which were not inmates or correctional officers. They were just like sensationalized on by having yeah. uniforms and batons and shit like that. And I feel like the music industry is sort of the same where like 
when you put someone in a piece of power, you're like, you're the D, you're the big guy on the stage in front of the fucking LED walls and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. They immediately just go like, oh, they're like, <laughs> they're like <laughs> ego just flourishes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I, you definitely see that a lot. Um, but it's always humbling meeting like those kind of people who are at that level that aren't like that, you know? Um, who are like self-aware enough to realize that that that's all it is. It's like sensationalism. Yeah. Like, and that's, that's literally like, that's the best way to put it. Like, that's kind of one thing that I've always stayed, try to stay true of is like, and I, and I try, I, you know, it's like art. It's always funny. Like fans come up to me and they'll be like, wow, it's like, you're so normal. Or like, Oh, you're like, it's like, you just sound like a regular dude. I like, guess that's cause I am like, I've never, <laughs> I haven't changed since I started, you know, peekaboo. I just like, I, I still hang out and talk with the same people that I've been talking to, like since I grew up and went to college with and like really i keep my close friend group like that like yeah i make friends with like artists and stuff but like i just have like the same tight friend group and i like to keep like those kind of people close to me and like i don't change i don't it's like i don't know i just always it's always want to be myself and never want to change who i am um I mean, obviously the but <laughs> but um yeah i just think it's so important like especially when we get you know fame and we're on these stages in front of thousands of people we don't think that we're like just invincible to like being a dick you know what i mean it's like um treat people how they how they should be treated and you're no better than anyone else everyone's equal yeah that's a good way to look at it well it's awesome man it's good to good to hear that you've you're keeping your head screwed on during yeah. your uh success <laughs> yeah thank you yeah well hey man thanks for coming on the podcast it was awesome like actually being able to you know, have a proper conversation with you. I feel yeah. like the podcast has just been awesome through through the pandemic to like keep socializing and stuff like that. Cause it's just, it's so weird these days that you can't like ask someone to just like sit down and chat with you mm -hmm. for like an hour without having like a secondary purpose for that conversation, right? Like releasing yeah. the conversation. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, I mean, yeah, yeah it's and, great. Just being, you know, we're all isolated. So it's good to talk to someone I have like an actual conversation with, you know, um, yeah, it seems like what rare, I think, to to have uh, like unphoned conversations, you know, like where you're, you're not just like sort of passively in the conversation. But yeah. for some reason, like podcasts uh, are seen as this totally worthwhile thing of doing. And I also think the reason why people enjoy podcasts so much these days is for this reason, because like these types of conversations are so rare to be had because like mm -hmm. everyone in a conversation usually is on their phone or like you know, on their laptop or like on Discord or something like that. Yeah that like when people see an actual two people or more engaging in like an actual conversation for an hour, they're like in awe of it. They're like, what's going on? That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, well, I'm going to get in this. Like, yeah. yeah, exactly. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I appreciate you having me on, man. I was stoked you asked me and I'm, I'm down to even do it again and talk anytime. I love just talking about anything. <laughs> Dude, absolutely. Yeah. I've kind of got like a, roster of people that i just cycle out like over about a 12 month period at this point see so we should do it again in like a year and hopefully so by down shows will yeah. be like well and truly back and i'm really interested to hear how your experience is going back into that yeah i'm so down for that that'd be, that'd be really fun man i'm so excited for that hell yeah man well yeah thanks thanks again yeah dude thanks so um just i'll hit you up on twitter sometime and let's swap some tune stuff i'll send you a playlist of shit i got tons of stuff you can listen to and download <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I have like an entire album that I'm about to wrap up actually. So. Yeah, I want I want to hear that 100%. <laughs> Fuck yeah. All right. All right, man. Have a great day. You Peace. too. 
Hey, thanks for listening to the Mr. Bill podcast. These episodes are edited and uploaded by Robert Fumo. You can also support the show, get early access to episodes and hear bonus content by going to patreon.com forward slash Mr. Bill's tunes and becoming a patron. Uh, please rate and review on iTunes unless you're going to be a little shit about it. And all the links to my various platforms are at mrbillstunes.com. Thank you. I don't